All right, well, let's look at Jude uh, verses 12 and 13. Um, we had looked at a couple verses, I can't remember if it's a week ago or a week and a half ago, but we looked at 8, 9, and 10, but I want to look at 12 uh, and 13 tonight. But again, the context, really the key verse, we'll, we'll read 3 as well. Uh, Jude verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I believe that's the key verse of this short book. So then let's look at 12. These are the spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about the winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to dig into your word tonight. Lord, we know it's just as relevant today, if not more, uh, than the day that you gave it. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray that you'd help me tonight to preach. Lord, help us to draw close to you. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for all things. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. So that uh, first verse 12 that we looked at, the first half talks about, he says, these are spots in your feast of charity. And that is not something we deal with today. So we need an explanation to figure out what, what is he talking about? What were they doing? Well, early Christians would meet uh, pretty often and they'd have kind of a common meal together. We'd probably call it a potluck today, uh, but they called them love feasts or agape feasts. Uh, that's why it says feast of charity in the Bible and what, you know, everybody would bring what food they could, you know, the poorer people obviously would bring less. The ones that were well off would bring more food. They would share it together and everyone would be able to eat and be filled. Uh, and you think about this, just like when we have dinners, it's a great time of fellowship. Uh, and you know, for some Christians that were poorer, that was probably the best meal that they would get whenever they were there, they would get uh, fed better than normal, uh, you know, so that had kind of that dual purpose. They were taking care of the Christians that were in need on one hand. They were fellowshipping together on the other hand. Uh, but Jude, remember, he's talking about the certain men that crept in unawares. Uh, and now he's talking about what they're doing. Uh, these false Christians. So these are false uh, they would have acted like they're Christians. They would have uh, joined up with them. They would have come to these feasts of charity uh, and uh, not because they're in need, uh, but they would take more than they would bring. You know, that's what they, they were. They were hypocrites and they would try to take advantage of the charity of the church. We talked about that a little this morning, uh, but that's why the verse says they were feeding themselves without fear. No fear of judgment, no fear of what they're doing, uh, no fear of uh, uh, that God knows what they're doing. They're just uh, satisfying their own fleshly desires. They're stealing from the Lord and from God's people. And that feasting that they're doing is preventing people that are really in need uh, from getting the food that they need. And you think about uh, at just how low that is for people to do that. Uh, but we see it today, right? We've said that. We see it today. We see people want to take advantage of God's people, want to take advantage of the church to get uh, and not give. But in a, in a spiritual sense, we also have false teachers 
And what do they do? They, they come in, they say a whole lot of words, they say a lot of things. Uh, but what happens? The sheep that are supposed to be fed leave hungry, right? That's the same thing in a spiritual sense. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen this before or heard it before or been in a service before where a preacher or a teacher got up. They said a whole bunch of stuff for a half hour and then you left and you're like, my goodness, there was no substance to any of that. Right. They were just saying words. Uh, and then every once in a while, they'd throw a scripture out. They would take it out of context. You know, they would use it for whatever they want. Uh, and you leave that and you're saying, my goodness, they didn't really say anything. They didn't feed me with anything. They just got up and spoke. Maybe they told stories. Maybe they told jokes. Maybe they talked about themselves. But that is not what God's word wants us to do. That I, I, I'll never forget this. You know, when I was ordained, what did they say? Preach the word. What happens Amen. when I go to ordination? Yes. We say the same thing. Word. Preach the word. We give them a Bible. We don't give them a journal. We don't give them a, a, a notebook. We give them the Bible and say, hey, this is what needs yes. to be preached and taught. What thus saith the word of God, not our opinions, not our agendas, not politics or anything else. I know a lot of churches, they uh, they say, well, we deal with the current issues. And I, I've told people, I say, yes, sometimes we do deal with the current issues. But here's the thing. I would spend every single service dealing with some current issue. And I'd rather dig into God's word that works every time. Amen. Because a lot of our current issues are things that have been repeated over time. Right. These same sins, these same uh, selfishness, the same pride, the same sexual sins and everything else uh, is just repeating themselves. So men and women pretending to be spiritual so they can take from the church. And here's the thing, they can deceive us, right? They could deceive everyone in the congregation. But I'll tell you what, Jude makes one thing crystal clear. They will not deceive God. Right? They will not escape from that. But in fact, at the end of verse 3, to whom is reserved? They have a reservation, right? It's great when you're going uh, on a trip somewhere, you plan ahead, you know what hotel you're going to, you know everything's taken care of when you get there, you don't have to wonder if there are any rooms left or anything else. You've got a reservation when you get there. I'm telling you what, the Lord says that there are these ones uh, that are spots in your feast of charity and goes on talking about different ones they have a reservation unfortunately to the pit to the lake of fire amen they have a reservation to hell and it's blackness of darkness forever my goodness that's sad isn't it goes on in verse 12 clouds they are without water carried about of winds trees whose fruit withereth without fruit twice dead plucked up by the roots first it talks about uh, clouds they are without water and you know what made me think about what's going on right now Right? It hasn't rained for a couple weeks, right? Uh, things are getting dry. The grass is getting brown. Uh, I feel like there's dust everywhere all the time. And what happens? Every once in a while you see a cloud come by, but it's not going to rain. It's not sending any rain. It may shade you for a, uh, a minute or two or something like that, uh, but it can block the sun for you. But they just go on themselves and float on away somewhere else. Those clouds are empty and dry. Right? That's what happened. That's what's going on right now. And here's the thing. There, there are men that creep into the church. They act like they're filled with the Word of God. They act like they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But they're as empty as those clouds without water. It's sad. 
Sometimes to make up for it, they wear fancy robes, right? Fancy outfits. They got big titles. They've got everything else. It kills me with some of these titles that I hear like senior bishop, elder, uh, you know, whatever else. And I'm like, my goodness. One time I heard this long title and I thought, aren't you the only pastor of that church? I don't need to call myself the senior executive CEO pastor if I'm the only one, right? It'd be silly to say all that stuff. But that's what they're doing. Building themselves up. They wear robes or like we'll see uh, later on. Some have uh, fancy production and editing for their social media, uh, you know, to make it look great. And they've got great backdrops, great cameras and everything else. Uh, But again, they're doing the same thing, uh, misquoting a verse or two or taking them out of context or something like that. And what do they do? I've noticed over and over again, they spiritualize selfishness. They spiritualize pride. They spiritualize uh, self-centeredness and other sinful behaviors and lust and everything else. They act like these things are good, right? They, uh, oh, you've got you to gotta take care of yourself. Like God wants you to take care of you. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? God wants you to do his will. You never hear them say things like that. Why? Because they want more subscribers, more likes, more money in their path. And what are they doing? They are tickling the ears of such a large crowd of people that don't know what the word says. that don't know what thus saith the word of God. But they just hear things and they're like, my goodness, that sounds great. It's sad. Some real examples. I I wrote one down and I'll I'll show you some clips later. And I don't remember if he's one of the clips, but he's he's one of the big ones right now. Stephen Furtick, pastor of Elevation Church. He said this, following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. Now, if you hear that quickly, you almost think it's something good. But again, I'll read it again. Following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. See, it sounds good at first till you start thinking about it. And you're saying, wait a second. That's totally against the word of God. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But here's the thing. If I'm going to pick one or the other, if I want a mega church with satellites and everything else and, and, and thousands and thousands of followers, I can't tell people you got to be different. I got to say, you know what? God's unlocked. He's going to unlock something that's been in you all along. And basically what it is, is a greater version of you. Right? I'll take sinful you, and God wants you to be even greater sinful you. Right? God wants you to be even uh, more accepting of sinful you. That's what they do over and over again. But I'm glad the genuine salvation in Jesus Christ, you know what it does? Is it reveals not, uh, uh, it reveals who you've been all along, and that's a sinner headed to hell, that's rotten, that's no good, that is uh, completely gone against God, that's an enemy of God, and then shows you that Jesus Christ paid for those sins, and then shows you that Jesus Christ will make you into a new creature. All things become new. I like that. Everything new. All of it. Nothing carries over. Over. Why? Because nothing in our old life had any value whatsoever. Right. None of it. None yeah. of it. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter how catchy it sounds. We got to stop listening to guys like that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how good they're dressed or how slick they talk. They, they are creeping in. And, and, and again, you may watch a bunch of these and you may not always see something quite as bad. But the problem is you get lulled into that and he'll sneak a line in there and then you'll, you'll say, yay, yay, great, good word, pastor, or something like that. Whatever he's called, I don't know. Uh, but that's, that's what they do. But again, 
What is it? It's like a cloud without water. There's no rain there. There's no peace there. There's nothing uh, because you can't drum that up yourself without God's word, without Jesus Christ. Trees who have no fruit, right? That's the other part. Why? Uh, and then he talks about being twice dead. Why? Because we're born basically to die. We're going to die. We're a sinner, born a sinner, and the wages of sin is death. But not only are they that uh, dead, but then they're going to dead spiritually as well because they've rejected uh, the true salvation in Jesus Christ. If someone uh, is a hypocrite, if someone pretends to be a Christian, that means they've heard the gospel and have chosen to pretend instead of do the real thing. Amen? That's twice dead. That's what he's saying right there. But here's the thing. People wouldn't say that false prophet's ministry is fruitless. See, that's what they would come back to. They'd say, well, I'm not that verse because that verse says uh, whose fruit withereth without trees, whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. They'd say, now, wait a second. In order for me to be that verse, there's no fruit coming from the ministry. And that's where they trap things, right? That's where they deceive because they'll say, now, wait a second. Our ministry isn't fruitless. Look at how many people are sitting in the seats. Look at how money, much money we collect. Look at how many likes we have and shares on social media. Look at how much money we're bringing. Look at all these things. Look at the books that I'm writing and the positive stuff. Look at all this. But that's not fruit. It's activity. Right? It's activity. That's what's going on. Real fruit is lives changed. Real fruit is people stepping up, getting true salvation, becoming a new creature. It's not just uh, getting baptized because they're having a baptism, uh, a, a drive that day and dunking as many people as they can to, to, uh, make, to make the number really high. But instead, it is true fruit. And that takes time and that takes effort. And it takes stepping on toes sometimes. That's why it isn't always great to hear uh, a preacher get up and preach because sometimes he's stepping on what we're doing. But aren't you glad when we realize that when the Holy Spirit touches our heart, it's not just to make us feel guilty, but it's also that we can then turn back to God and say, God, I am lacking in this area. I'm disobedient in this area. I'm falling short in this area, but you can help me and I need your help. Show me in your word what will help me. Teach me. Uh, give me the extra grace and strength and wisdom. And he will. He will. And I'm thankful for that. I think I told you a while back that I was watching this debate on a Methodist church. They were trying to decide whether they're leaving the denomination or not because of all the things that are going on right now. Many churches are, are doing this same thing in the Methodist faith, and it's sad. Uh, that's not something to be happy about or cheer about. It's sad that they're having to decide and split up and everything else. Uh, but sometimes you've got to cut things out. Sometimes separation is good. Uh, but the one of the uh, people that got up, I'll never forget, uh, he got up and basically he's explaining why they shouldn't split uh, from the denomination is because they did so many good things in the past. And I'm thinking, well, yes, uh, if, especially if you go decades and decades into the past. Yes, I agree with that. But the problem is uh, you've gone so far away from the past, so far away from the truth. Uh, it's just so far away. But here's the thing. Does it matter uh, you want to ask them, what does it matter that you're going away from what God told you to do? That's the that's the key thing. Just because someone had some ministry that was fruitful in the past doesn't mean that they can't turn to false doctrine later. A tree that had fruit in the past can now be fruitless. 
Jesus said this, Matthew 7, 18, A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth uh, not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruit ye shall know them. That false Christian that snuck into the church, uh, they can fool people for a while, but the Lord sees the hearts. And be sure your sin will find you out. I believe those hypocrisy, the lies, eventually they will end. The Lord will shine light onto it. But even if he doesn't, he will judge in the end. Let's go to verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And you think of those raging waves of the sea. You know, in those days, they didn't have the internet right on the boats now. They didn't have the satellites and the GPS. They didn't have the weather radar. They didn't have the Coast Guard. They didn't have all those things. So they didn't know exactly when storms would hit, right? They, had, they could kind of watch the sky. But the problem with the Sea of Galilee is it had kind of mountains and things around it. And you wouldn't be able to see the storm until it came over the mountain over the top. And then all of a sudden, the calm Sea of Galilee turns into a raging sea uh, with high winds and everything else. You remember the disciples when they were caught uh, a couple times into the storms in the Sea of Galilee? Very quickly, the storm caught up because it... it it had to be a quick one because it wasn't that far to get from one end to the other, uh, just a handful of miles. Uh, so if they saw it coming, they wouldn't have left. Or if they were closer, they would have paddled harder to get all the way to the other side. Uh, but you think about these storms, raging waves of the sea, and you know that sea just crashing up against things. And, and I think about there are some that just will rant and rave and yell and everything else and to, to seem spiritual. But again, if you take their message and you take out all the repeats and all the yells and everything else, and you get just what they say, there's nothing there, right? You take away the power of their voice and everything and what the words actually are, there's nothing really there. And that's what he's saying. There's sometimes just raging waves. That's all that's coming out. And then wandering stars. You know, the stars through the sky, they, they travel a predictable path, right? They, uh, as the earth is turning, uh, the stars move kind of around like this in the sky. And you can look at certain stars and know that it's pointing you in a certain direction. They would use the stars to navigate at night. Uh, but he's talking about uh, wandering stars. He, I think he's talking about comets or, any, or things like that that are kind of shooting across the sky and moving and things like that. You think about that. If, if the stars were moving in an unpredictable path, you couldn't use them to navigate. They'd be of no good to you, right? They, would, they couldn't use that at night to know which direction they're going. It would be useless. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind and doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. That's the problem, right? These false teachers like to lead Christians in all different directions, take us in different places. And they're saying, you know what, but what I'm hearing sounds good. What I'm hearing makes me feel good. And it matches the culture of today. Uh, but here's the thing. They're always having to shift and move because of that, right? Because culture changes so fast, they have to keep moving. But I'm glad we can be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. We've got to stick to the truth. We've got to stick to God's Word. Uh, you know, like a ship when they drop that anchor. We need to anchor in. So no matter what this world is tossing to and fro, we are staying uh, in the same place. 
And this is what's happening. We've got to stick to the truth. It doesn't take a false teacher to walk into our church to lead us astray anymore, right? That's what used to be. That's what they were weary of in Jude's day. A false teacher can walk in through our phone and through our tablet, through our computer and start teaching false doctrine that easily. That's all it takes. But the more we fill ourselves with the truth, the more we fill ourselves with God's word, the quicker and easier it is to spot the lies. To spot the deception. I'll keep reading. I read Ephesians 4.14. I'll read that one again. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cutting craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. It keeps going in 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up uh, into him in all things which is the head even Christ. Verse 16. From whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted uh, by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Aren't you glad uh, that he's saying, hey, uh, we don't want to be tossed to and fro with doctrine, everything that comes along. And how do you go against that? By speaking the truth in love. And I'm glad that's what's going on. I'm glad that's what's going on in Sunday school. I'm glad that's what's going on in the kids' classes. I'm glad that's what's going on in the pulpit uh, and everything else is that the truth is spoken, hopefully, in love. Uh, And when that's done, it builds us up together. And you, uh, you know, we'll watch some of these clips in a few minutes and you will see how quickly you will be able to recognize that. And the quicker you can recognize the falseness, the better. But also the quicker you recognize it is because you know the truth. We've got to continue to stand on the word of God Uh, where everyone else is giving up the word of God. Everyone else is setting it aside. Uh, They say it's a good thing, but they're not using it. We've got to use it every day to grow closer to Christ. Uh, And as long as that Bible is our foundation, when that false teacher comes, whether in person or online or whatever, we will be ready. And I'm glad God's put us together for a reason. Right? That fitly framed. Uh, uh, Brooks' grandpa, before he passed, uh, uh, Brother Fred, he always loved talking about that verse. He always mentioned it to me. And isn't it wonderful to feel God didn't just haphazardly put our church together and put our families here together. It says fitly framed. It is for, he has put us together for a purpose, uh, you know, with different experience, different knowledge, saved at different times. Some grew up in church, some didn't. He's put us all together so we can grow together. We can learn from one another we can encourage one another and guess what he's given us all jobs to do he didn't give us all the same job or we'd be in trouble he gave us different ones to do and the devil wants to disrupt all of it amen he wants to get rid of all of it and that's why uh, just like he we talked about in sunday school he wanted to get rid of the nation of israel he wants to get rid of the church he wants to get rid of this church he wants us to ruin our own testimony and everything else and turn from the truth to lies but i'm telling you what i'm glad we can stand on the scriptures and that's what i plan on doing for the rest of my life and i hope we're all together in that but like i said i want to if this works or i'm going to look at a couple different ones and this is just to show you these are I just picked some clips. Some of these are pretty popular people. Uh, you may not recognize them. If you don't recognize them, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, but this one is Todd White. He's a pretty strange character, but he's pretty popular today. Let's listen to what he says. Say that I went to the elders, the elders laid hands on me. Um, I did receive healing. I've tracked Todd White down. I've come to your meetings. I've had you pray for me. I went to 
uh, Bill Johnson's meetings, I went to this meeting or that meeting, and everybody, everybody's prayed for me, and I haven't received it. I, I get it. Um, my question is, if Jesus prayed for you, would you be healed? And the answer is yes. So the Bible says, you know, we have, in Hebrews it says, we haven't yet, it says that God has put all things under our feet. But we haven't yet seen all things put on our feet. But we see Jesus. So the will of God is always for healing. 100% every time. God wants everybody healed. 100% minus none. He has paid the price for everybody to be healed. So we as the body of Christ enforce that victory. And pray for people. So you hear that? 100% everybody healed. Yep. Everybody. No disease. No sickness. No nothing. No wheelchairs. And he's going to, in a, in a second, we won't keep going, but he goes on to talk about one time where he hurt his knee. And he's got this knee brace on, and he's trying to uh, recover, and he's got crutches and everything else. And he's getting frustrated because he is praying and everything else, and his knee is still in this situation. And, every, and he tries to kind of spin it around where at, at a certain point God healed him. It's probably because he recovered by that point. Uh, but, you know, you see how ridiculous this is. But this, he's not the only one that talks about things like this. And it's, it seems crazy that somebody would make claims like this and really believe it. But they do. There are some, this prosperity gospel, this health and wealth gospel that they uh, they come in and they say things like this. This is exactly what Jude is talking about, but this would be a modern person. This guy, uh, you see he's got dreadlocks and everything. Sometimes his hair is way up high, uh, but he's pretty popular. Very, uh, you know, big audience and everything else talking about healing. Uh, he'll do these tricks where it seems like he's making a guy's leg longer that was shorter than other and everything else. It's just a bunch of magic tricks is all it is. It's just stage tricks and everything else. Uh, but this this is the kind of thing they're doing this in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's sad. It's sad. In fact, there's a guy. Um, I don't know if I got it off. I think it's this video that uh, there's a guy that kind of explains this. Um, his name um, his name's escaping me, but he's got cerebral palsy. He's in a wheelchair, you know, or he has to use those crutches, but mostly he's in a wheelchair. He, his hands aren't, don't work as well. They're kind of, you know, kind of bent a little bit and everything else. Got a lot of health issues. Well, one of the things he's done is he's gone to a lot of these different meetings over the years. So where they're going to say, if, if a guy's saying uh, 100% of the time that everyone's going to be healed, and what happens when James comes to there? We says a lot of times they keep you in the back. They hide you back there so that you don't come out. And because obviously he can't heal you, right? I can't. It, it, if we could, we would. But we can't just touch you and make you everything. But this, it's sad what's going on. Yeah. I mean, why would we have hospitals? Why would we have different things like that? Now, do you guys know T.D. Jakes? When God says go into the deep, go into the deep. Stop telling me about the last two years. I don't care nothing about that. I want to tell you about the next two years. God said launch into the deep. Launch into the deep. Just when they think you're going to wash your nets. Just when they think you're going to quit. Just when they think you're going to stay at Burger King. Launch out! Who am I preaching to? Look at your neighbor and tell them I'm getting ready to launch. If you can't launch, you can't go. If you can't launch, you can't go. So, 
So did you hear that? So he is taking uh, the story. Remember, they're washing their nets. They fished all night. They didn't catch any fish. And Jesus says to go out, cast your nets. He's using that story. But notice what he's using it for. He's not using it for the call of the disciples. He's not using it for anything else. He's saying, hey, uh, you know, you, uh, there's something you want to do. You want to start a business. You want a career. You want something like that, some kind of personal goal, not a godly goal, not something God wants you to do, something you want to do. And what's he saying? What did he say to launch out, right? That's what he kept saying, launch out. Just when, I think at one point he said, just when you're about to start washing your nets and quit, you need to launch out. But launch out what? Your personal, selfish desire of whatever you want to do. And see, he's taking a story. That's, they do this all the time. And they spiritualize it into doing what you want to do. Selfishness and everything else. And God will prosper you. We can't take, I'm telling you what, you read that story and you look at it and, and go look at it again at some point and try to read into that, that God's going to give you whatever you want if you just keep going. No, no. In fact, they, when they hauled all those fish, remember what they, they called the other boat. They, they got both boats full of fish. The boats are actually about to start sinking. And then what happens? You know, they realize, my goodness, I'm a sinful man, right? I, uh, look at this. They, and then they drop all of that and follow Jesus Christ. They don't keep fishing. They leave the boats. They leave all of that and say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. Exactly opposite of what T.D. just said. Yeah. Isn't that? But it sounds good, right? It gets people revved up. I don't want to work at Burger King the rest of my life, right? It's sad. And I got one more. This is Stephen Furtick. I mentioned him. Uh, I mentioned him earlier. He's the one that says you don't following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. This guy is very, very popular today. Um, and he says some awful things. His name is Supplanter, but his new name, Israel, is almost just as bad. So he's talking about Jacob and Jacob Israel. That's who he's talking about. It means struggles with God. So he's trying to get him to see, you've never been fighting with Laban. You've never been fighting with Esau. The fight that you have to win for your life has not been with them. It's always been in you. Now there's a couple of these, so you just have to... <laughs> because if you believe it's in you, there's nothing anybody can put on you that can cancel what I put in you before you were born I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You are babbling incoherently, sir. Give it a second. No what you're talking about. You're misrepresenting scriptures. Stop it. Repent. Believe. <laughs> it's always been in you. It's always been in you. That teaching gift has always been in you. You just have to get past what you would put on yourself. The idea that I'm not a preacher, I'm just a little girl. Now keep listening. I don't have anything to say. That was always in you. It was in you when you were sitting at Life Action Revival, listening to Steve Canfield six nights a week, and God was filling you with this word. It just took the right rain to bring the seed out of the soil for what God put in you. And you were just a little girl. It's always been in you. 
And there's nobody that can lead my life that can keep God from keeping his covenant with me. I'm not in covenant with a person. I'm not in covenant with a political party. I'm in covenant with God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? He ended with, I'm God Almighty. But notice what he did at that girl. I don't know who the girl was, but down at the bottom row, he's basically saying, you know, God called you to preach. Don't quit on that. You know, so women preacher right there. Um, and then, well, who knows? Yeah, these days, who knows? Um, and then uh, there's so many things you lose count. Oh, he says, I'm in covenant with God. Well, he's taking the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and turning that into himself, like now it's my covenant now, um, that's strike two. And then, yeah, I am God is strike three all at the end. But you see, this guy is super popular, this Stephen Furtick. You will see clips of him and everything else. It doesn't. It's not very hard to find him. And the fourth one is all three of them. What's one thing that all three had in common? What's that? None of them had a fight. Yeah, yeah. They go long periods. In their hand. Long periods without the Bible. Now they will use a story out of context every time. You know, again, the Jacob and he's Jacob wrestling with God. Uh, then he turns into it's wrestling again what you want to do. It's always back to what you want to do, not what God wants you to do. Uh, and then they say things that, you know, if, if they say them quick enough, sometimes you're like, okay, maybe it's okay. Uh, but then very quickly they turn the other direction. But if you don't know scripture, you'll go along with this stuff. Mm -hmm. And maybe not the very end where you say, he says, I'm God. Maybe you won't go that far. But up until that point, there were a lot of people that were with him saying, yeah, you're right. I am wrestling with myself, right? That's what's going on. And it's just sad. But I just picked these handful of clips. That's the last one I have. But I, we could have done this all night. And that's what's sad. That's what's genuinely sad with what's going on. But we have to protect ourselves. We got to fill ourselves with God's word. And we have to tell people these. I just gave you a handful of examples. You know, Kenneth, uh, Todd White, um, Stephen Furtick, and then who is the middle one? T.D. Jakes. And there's more and more. We could have kept going. Uh, Michael, what's the Michael? Anyway, I, I tried to find a clip of him, but I was worried. I had a clip, but then I was like, you know, there's kids and, you know, some of the things he keeps saying, Frick, behind the pulpit, and he won't stop saying it. I'm like, so anyway, I try, I had one for him, but I didn't. But he uh, he was going in a weird direction with, uh, with homosexuals, and it, it, just, uh, it just pained him uh, that God seems to be on one side, and he's on the other side, and just if God would just have not have done just male and female, it would make things easier. That was basically the clip. It just go. I mean, it's just it's awful. I mean, it's just the whole thing was awful. Why I don't? Yeah, I couldn't show it tonight, but uh, uh, but I mean, again, we could keep doing clip after clip, and it's sad. But this is where things are going, and this is what the devil's using. If he can't get someone inside, he'll give someone a huge platform. A mega church and uh, social media and everything else. Uh, but again, so not only do we have to protect ourselves, but we also have to protect young people. You know, we have to teach them and show them the truth. So uh, I know it was a little different tonight. We had a couple different things, but hopefully we got uh, we got some things from the Lord tonight. But I always want to open up uh, the altar for prayer as we close. Uh, so if, if you want to pray about it.